Good morning, everybody. You doing good today? You're looking great. Just want you to know, you look great, all right? All right, once you get your Bibles out and open them up to 2 Corinthians chapter 1. That's where we're going to land today, 2 Corinthians chapter 1. If you don't have a Bible, there's one in the rack uh, at your seat. We want everybody to have an open Bible with them today. Uh, we are in a series called Bad Advice, and we've been looking at phrases that people say, advice people give that, you know, sounds good, you know, from our kind of cultural standpoint, but is not biblical and, and isn't really good advice at all. And uh, we're tackling lots of different ones. Today, I want to kind of land on one that most Christians are guilty of saying, okay? Uh, this is something that you probably heard people say. Uh, if you're real honest, you may have even said this yourself, trying to help somebody or encourage somebody, but it goes something like this. There'll be a, a couple that's really going through a hard time, all right? They're really going through it. They're, it's a very, very difficult time in their life, and they're coming to talk to another Christian about that. And uh, the couple will just share their hearts and their struggles and their burdens, and then there's tears. They're really, really, really hurting. And the Christian will listen to them and say, you know, at some point, it will say something like this. You know, I, I, I can see you're really hurting. I'm so sorry that you're going through what you're going through, but but God will never give you more than you can handle. Anybody ever heard that before? God will never give you more than you can handle. Now, you may not realize that, but that's not in the Bible, all right? It's on Pinterest, but it's not in the Bible, all right? I mean, you get little posters with that, you get little coffee mugs that say that, but, but it's not actually in the Bible at all. Um, in, in fact, uh, I, I really believe that that statement is a misquote from another verse that's in the Bible. You know, it's, it's bad to misquote people, right? You get in a lot of trouble when you misquote people. In fact, I found this quote from Abraham Lincoln this week. Uh, he said, the problem with quotes found on the internet is that they are often untrue. <laughs> so even old Abe knew that you couldn't do that. So uh, <laughs> I don't think he really said that. All right, anyway. Uh, but when you misquote the Bible, that's even worse, all right? So, so here's the verse that I think we get the phrase from that's an actual misquote. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13 says this, No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to man, and God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. See? So he's talking about temptation. And uh, when you are tempted, your temptation isn't any, is, is anything new. Uh, your temptation is just like everybody else's, and God will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear, but he will always, always provide a way out, an escape, an exit route when you're tempted. Now, he's talking about temptation. He's not talking about hardship, trial, and crisis. But a lot of times we say, well, you know, you're having a crisis, but God will never give you more than you can bear, and that's really bad advice. And the reason why that's bad advice is because uh, it's just not true. Uh, God will often give you more than you can bear. We all face things at times that are more than we can handle. Uh, you look in the Bible all the way through, every biblical story mostly is some uh, person that's facing what they're unable to carry on their own. Gideon was uh, outmanned. Uh, Moses was outnumbered. Esther was, was uh, overpowered. Every one of these people face crisis that was more than they could handle. And listen, you may be here today and you're facing something that's more than you can handle. You may have prayed last night, God, I cannot take 
one more day of this. I cannot keep moving through this situation. This is more than I can handle. The, the grief, the pain, the disappointment, the, the, uh, whatever the crisis is, this is more than I can possibly shoulder on my own. Well, if that's you, then, then you're in the right place because we're going to talk about that. Why is it that God allows us to go through things that are more than we can handle? So let's look at it, 2 Corinthians chapter 1, and uh, we're going to dive into God's Word. If you're, if you're there, say amen. All right, this is the Word of God. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all of our affliction, so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. For as, we are, for as we share abundantly in Christ's suffering, so through Christ we share abundantly in comfort too. If we are afflicted, it is for your comfort and salvation. And if we are comforted, it is for your comfort which you experience when you patiently endure the same sufferings that we suffer. Our hope for you is unshaken. For we know that as you share in our sufferings, you will also share in our comfort. For we do not want you to be ignorant, brothers, of the affliction we experienced in Asia. For we were utterly burdened beyond our strength, that we despaired of life itself. Indeed, we felt that we had received the sentence of death. But that was to make us rely not on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. He delivered us from such a deadly peril. He will deliver us. On him we have set our hope that he will deliver us again. You also must, must help us by prayer so that many will give thanks on our behalf for the blessing granted us through the prayers of many. Now, I want you to look at verse 8. Verse 8 is the key focal point that I want you to grab a hold of. Paul is talking here about this trouble that he had in Asia. Now, listen, when you think of Asia, don't think of like, our modern-day Asia of China, Japan, Malaysia, that kind of thing. Think of Asia Minor, ancient Asia Minor, which would have been modern-day Turkey. Paul traveled through there. He planted churches in there, and he ran into some severe trouble. Uh, he might be referring there to his encounter in Ephesus, which was in Asia Minor, where he preached the gospel, and there was such a, a riot uh, against the gospel that, that many of the Christians were drugged in front of this riot. They were threatened with their own lives. Uh, maybe that was the situation. Maybe it was a different one. We don't know. But whatever it was, look at what he says. He said, we were beyond uh, our strength. This was more than we could handle. He even went on to say, we despaired of life itself. In other words, I, we thought we were dead men. We thought it was over. We thought we were dead. And he said, we hit this wall. We hit this major crisis. And, and then in verse 9, he gives a shocking statement of why God allowed that to happen. So look at what he says. He said, but this was to make us rely not on ourselves, but on God. I want you to underline that phrase, to rely not on ourselves, but on God. Listen, when you say, God will never give you more than you can handle, what you're really saying is, it's all up to you. 
You have to get through what you are going through. It's all about your strength and your wisdom and your endurance and your ability. And, and, and so God's going to give you more than you can handle because you've got all that you need in you. Right? Get the point? And, and, and that's exactly the opposite of what the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches that it's only when we get to the end of you that we can really see God begin to move. See, God's got to get to the end of you. And that's what Paul is saying here. He's saying, listen, God's got to bring us to the end of ourselves so that then we can begin to move forward in his grace and in his power. Let me just kind of summarize this statement for you. Here's a takeaway statement for you. Every trial that you face, every problem, every crisis, every trial is an opportunity to rely on God and trust him in a deeper way. Think about that. Every trial is an opportunity to rely on him and trust him in a deeper and deeper way. You know, the problem with that is that we like to rely on ourselves, don't we? I mean, we're self-made people. We rely, we rely on ourselves. You ever watch a little child, maybe they're just starting to walk and they're just starting to figure things out in life and you're trying to help them with something and they'll say this, I do it. I do it, right? And they'll take it back from, they're very serious about this. I do it. Now, you know what? Some of us never grow out of the I do it stage. We're constantly telling God, God, I'll do it. God, I can handle this. God, I can figure this out. I can solve this problem. I can make this happen. I'll just, with my own strength, with my own determination, I will make this happen. We'll just pull ourselves through. I do it. But that's our problem. Let me tell you what, I, if you're looking for an I do it guy, you're looking at one right here. I, God deals with me on this all the time. You would think I would have learned this lesson by now, but many times God will bring me to places that are over my head. So you say, Craig, now you think you can handle this one? Can you handle this one? Can you handle this one? When are you going to rely on me? When are you going to trust me? Listen, every trial that you face is an opportunity to rely on God and trust him in a deeper way. And you say, well, why is this so important to God? Why is it so important that I rely on him? Well, the rest of this passage tells us. So I wanna give you some thoughts to write down, things to jot down so that you can talk about this, think about this uh, throughout the rest of the week, all right? The reason why we take notes, by the way, is so that you will think about it during the week, all right? That you will ponder this and think about it, how it applies to your life throughout the week. So write these things down. Here's the first thing I want you to write down. When I rely on the Lord, I experience his comfort. I experience his comfort. Look at verse three. He calls him the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all of our affliction. Who comforts us in all our affliction. The word comfort there is an important word in the book of 2 Corinthians. It appears multiple times, almost 30 times in the book. But if you look at it, it appears seven times in the first 10 verses. So it's like a comfort uh, machine gun. Comfort, 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 comfort. I mean, the whole thing he's talking about comfort. The word comfort there means to come alongside and help someone. It's the same word parakletos, which we get the word for the Holy Spirit who is a comforter, the paraclete, someone who comes alongside and puts their arm around you and helps you and walks with you and comforts you and assists you as you go through a trial. You see, what he's saying is that when you get to the point where you are at your breaking point, you're at your quitting point, it is there that you experience the comfort of Jesus that you can never experience any other time in your life. It's the crisis 
that brings us to a comfort. Because the truth of the matter is, if it weren't for a crisis, we probably would never cry out to God. If it wasn't for the crisis, we would never rely on him. So he brings us to crisis and we learn and experience his comfort that can only come from him. You know, this last week we celebrated Martin Luther King Day. And uh, I read an article that really, there's an excerpt from a book that was never published by Martin Luther King. He was printing a book uh, back in the uh, late 60s and the uh, publisher asked for him to submit some stories about his own personal suffering. And so he did. He wrote another few paragraphs to be inserted in the book. However, the paragraphs that he wrote uh, never got to the publisher in time to be included in the book. So these paragraphs have really been kept in the archives at Stanford University, pretty much unseen by the world. But he talks about the comfort that he received in his suffering. This is what he said. He said, I have been arrested five times and put in Alabama jails. My home has been bombed twice. A day seldom passes that my family and I are not the recipients of threats of death. I have been the victim of a near fatal stabbing. So in a real sense, I have been battered by the storms of persecution. I must admit that at times I have felt that I could no longer bear such a heavy burden and have been tempted to retreat to a more quiet and serene life. But every time such a temptation appeared, something came to strengthen and sustain my determination. I have learned now that the master's burden is light precisely when we take his yoke upon us. The suffering and agonizing moments through which I have passed over the last few years have also drawn me closer to God. More than ever before, I am convinced of the reality of a personal God. What he was saying is only when I was in the deepest suffering that I really experienced the comfort of God. King David, the greatest king in Israel's history, went through bouts of depression, went through deep seasons of discouragement, times when he could not see the end of the road that he wanted to quit. It was more than he could handle. And he said this, the Lord is my shepherd. And though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You see, it's only when you're going through the valley that you experience the comfort of the shepherd. And it's only when you're going through the times when you cannot have the strength to get through that you experience the comfort of Jesus. And for some of you, that's where you are right now. Man, you are thinking, there's no way I can get through the next day. I can't even put my, my foot in front of the other. God will give you his comfort in those moments that you've never experienced before. You need his comfort. Second thing I want you to jot down is this. When I rely on the Lord, I also experience his power. Look at what he says in verse 9. He's talking about his trouble in Asia. And he said, all this was to make us rely not on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. Now, don't forget that last part, who raises the dead. Those last four words are important. That's a statement of God's power. He said, man, I thought we were going to die. Oh, yeah, we're serving a God who raises the dead, right? 
Uh, we were at the end of our row. But God is the one that gave us the power to overcome, the power to survive, the power to get through whatever we're going through. Listen, when you are over your head, there is an upside-down truth in the Bible for you. And here's the upside-down truth, that when you are the weakest, that is when you can experience Christ's strength. When you are weak, then he is strong. That's an upside-down truth. But what that means is if you're going to rely on your strength, okay, you've got that, you want to get that on your own, then go right ahead. Just take care of that all by yourself. And you can't do it on your own. It's only when you say, God, I can't get through this, that now you begin to tap into the supernatural strength that God provides for you. You know, if you were to take your finger and thumb through the pages of 2 Corinthians and you go from chapter 1 all the way to chapter 12, you'll see Paul facing another over-the-head experience where he's over his head. Another crisis he can't handle. We don't know what it was exactly. He called it a thorn in his flesh. Some kind of, some people think it was some kind of physical malady. Some have speculated it might be epilepsy or some have speculated it could be bad eyesight. Others say, no, this is a spiritual oppression that Paul was under. We are uncertain really about what Paul is talking about, but it was bad. And Paul said, I cried out three times, God, would you please take this away from me? God, would you please take, have you ever prayed a prayer like that? God, would you take this away? God, would you fix this problem? God, would you deliver this situation? God, would you fix this, this marriage or this crisis? I pray that. And three times he prayed and, and his request was denied. But Jesus came to him and he said these words, my grace is sufficient for you. Listen, for my power is made perfect, is made complete, is made evident is experienced in your weakness. See, Craig, if you wanna, if you wanna go do this on your own, then go right ahead, have at it. Do it on your own, uh, knock yourself out, uh, but you will never accomplish it. But if you want my power to rest on you, then you gotta come to the end of yourself. See, only when you come to the end of yourself do you begin to experience all of God. Connie grew up in a village in uh, Kenya, and she loved art, and she would uh, constantly paint, and she would often paint landscapes of her village. Uh, these were actually, as she got older, she got better, and some of them were actually published in a Christian magazine. Um, and later, when she grew a little bit older, she actually uh, began to work for this Christian magazine. But it was then that she began to go through a lot of physical problems. She would become very lethargic, and no energy, and no strength. Uh, she began to run out of, uh, out of uh, uh, energy just to get through the day. She spent multiple times going to doctors, uh, even in the ICU at times. Every time she would go, she would share the hope of Jesus with doctors and nurses and patients. When her kidneys failed, she was put on dialysis. But every time she would go to dialysis treatment, as they would hook her up, to the machine, she would always share a verse of encouragement to the people around her. And people would ask her, Connie, how, how can you be so happy when you're going through so much? And she would always say, my favorite verse is 2 Corinthians 12, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Then she would quote the next verse, therefore I will boast all the more gladly in my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. 
Let me ask you something. Do you want to experience God's power resting in your life? Do you say, God, I want your power to be evident in my life. God, I want, I want your supernatural power to flow through me. I want your spirit to move in a powerful way through me, God, in a way that can only be explained by you. The only way you get to that place is to come to the end of yourself. And so many times we will face trials that are beyond our own ability so that we can experience God's supernatural power in our lives. When we rely on God, we experience his comfort. We experience his supernatural power. Let me give you one more, and that is this. When we rely on the Lord in these situations that are beyond our ability, we also are reminded of God's faithfulness. We're reminded of God's faithfulness. I want you to look at verse 10. This is what he says. He said, he delivered us from such a deadly peril. And he will deliver us. On him we have set our hope that he will deliver us again. What Paul is saying here is this. He's saying, you know, uh, we discovered that God was faithful to deliver us in the past, so now we can trust him for the future. If God has delivered me in the past, then God will take care of me now and it'll take care of my future. And listen, if you've experienced God's provision in your past, then that helps you have faith to trust him that he's going to do it again, right? You'll pray a prayer, do it again, God. I remember when we couldn't pay the bills, and man, the check came in right at the right time. God, you were so good then. We know that you will take care of us now. We, you were so faithful in the past. We know we have hope now that you'll take care of us in the future. And if you have experienced God's faithfulness, then that's how you face these trials. He's faithful. But listen, there are some of you, and this is what you're saying. You're saying, well, Craig, that's my problem. That's my problem. You see, see I'm glad you said that because this is where I've got an issue. See, I, uh, I prayed, and God hadn't been faithful. See, I, uh, I, I prayed for my mom to be healed, and she died. Or I, I prayed that we could get pregnant, and, 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 and we still don't have a baby. Or I, I, It's been nine months since I've had a paycheck. And every day I get on my knees and I ask God to give me a job, and there's no job coming. How in the world can I trust God in, for the, my needs in the future when he has not been faithful to my needs now? Some of you are thinking that right now. So I want to talk to you about that. And I'm going to come up real close. I want you to pull up the chair to the table. All right? And I want you just to chat for this a minute. Sometimes God's greatest deliverance is when he takes his children home. This world is not that great. Have you noticed that? It's a terrible place. Full of sin and heartache and pain and suffering. And to leave this world and be with Jesus it's a blessing. It's a blessing. So when those that we love pass away, it is, it is a gateway into all that God has prepared for them. Jesus said, I go to prepare a place for you. The Bible says, no eye is seen, nor ear is heard, nor mind is can even fathom what God has prepared for those who love him. And listen, sometimes God's greatest deliverance may be say, you know what? You've suffered enough. Come on home. You're closer to my side than you are that side. Just come on home. I've got a place for you. Sometimes that's God's greatest deliverance. 
Sometimes God's deliverance comes in unexpected ways. Yeah, you may not have a job right now, but God is preparing one for you to step into where he can use you. Maybe he's done with you in that other one, and now he's moving you and preparing you for a different one. Maybe you can't have a child biologically, but God has a child that desperately needs a home. And you have love to give, and God is trying to bring hope to this child by bringing them into your life as you foster that child or as you adopt that child or as you take guardianship over that child. Sometimes God's deliverance just comes at his own timing. Yeah, it's not happened yet, but you know what? God sustained you this far, hasn't he? I mean, after all, you're here. You're still breathing. You're clothed, as far as I can tell. We're here. We're alive. God has sustained us up to this point. And listen, your story is not finished yet. He is still writing it. He is still at work in it. He has not finished the job. So don't call it yet. Don't call him unfaithful yet. He is still at work. He is still writing your story. He is still going before you. He's still providing the way. That's why Paul said in, in Romans I just want to read this to you because it's so powerful. In, uh, in Romans chapter 14, he said, if we live, we live for the Lord. If we die, we die for the Lord. So whether we live or die, we belong to the Lord. Listen, every crisis you face is an opportunity to rely on the Lord and trust him in a deeper way. It's an opportunity for you to know his comfort right where you are. It's an opportunity for you to know his power that helps you take the next step and to get through what you're in the middle of. It's, it's the ability to be reminded that God is faithful and there is hope and that God is our deliverer and he is still at work and he has not forgotten you, that he loves you more than you can understand. Now you may say, well, Craig, how do, how do I get through this problem? I mean, how do I deal with this crisis? What does God expect from me? So let me give you a couple of things. I'll just give them to you very quickly because our time is just about out. So I'm going to give these to you very quick. All, I, if I had another hour, I can unpack it deeper, but I don't have another hour. So don't worry. All right. But let me give you a couple of things to think on and you can chew on these this week. If you're going through it, this, these last things are things you need to focus on this week. What do I do? What does God want from me? Okay. Here's the first thing. Very quickly. Pray fervently. Just pray fervently. Look at verse 11. You also must help us by prayer so that many will give thanks on, on, on our behalf for the blessing granted us through the prayer of many. See what he's saying? He's saying, if you are in crisis, you need to pray. Pray, God, show me your comfort. Pray, God, help me get through this meeting. God, help me get through this day. God, help me get out of bed. God, help me trust you in this problem. Pray, God, remind me of your faithfulness today. Lord, help me hold on to your promises. Fill me with hope. You need to pray. And by the way, don't underestimate your prayer for those that are suffering. I'm so thankful for the people in my life that when I was going through a hard time, they didn't just pat me on the back and say, well, I'll be praying for you. You know what they did? They grabbed me around the neck. And they prayed over me. Sometimes they held me up while I, they were praying for me. Don't tell them you're going to pray for them sometime. Pray for them then. Pray for them now. 
Now is when they need. Don't ever underestimate the power of your prayers. The second thing you need to do is encourage people uh, consistently. Encourage consistently. Look at verse 4. Back up to verse 4. He's saying, why does this happen? So that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction. Listen, you don't have to go looking for your ministry. Your ministry will find you. And it will find you through your sufferings, through your hardship. If you have suffered, then that is your ministry to others who are suffering the same way you have. And if you have been comforted by God, then that is your ministry to comfort others with the comfort that you have from him. Many times uh, we have been able to minister to families that are hurting because we have gone through it. If you've gone through a, 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 a marriage failure, then you know how to help people that are going through it right now. If you've gone through a death in your family, you know how to comfort those. Who better to comfort them than you? Because you have been through it. You can literally say, I know what you're feeling, but I found comfort in Jesus. So the best thing to do when you are going through it is say, God, how can I use this to minister to others? The third thing, just in closing, is this. Uh, watch expectantly. Watch expectantly. Look at verse 10. On him we have set our hope. <laughs> I love that. Hope is a confident expectation of God's goodness and blessing. Hope is saying, you know what? No matter what I'm going through, God's going to get me through it. Hope is that God is going to provide for me. God is with me. He's going to comfort me. That God is going to provide the strength that I need every day, moment by moment. And at the end of it, he will deliver me. Either he will deliver me in this life or he will deliver me in the next. But I have hope in him. Listen, Christians are the most hopeful people on the planet. Because our hope is not in ourselves. We're not relying on ourselves. We're relying on him. See, every problem you have is an opportunity to rely on God and trust him in a deeper and deeper way. One wise man said this. He said, God's explanation or answer to suffering is not an explanation, it is a, the incarnation. God's answer to suffering is Jesus. That when we were suffering and we were hurting, when we were lost, when we were helpless, that Christ came to us and he suffered as we suffer, he endured what we endured. He walked what we've walked. That he went to the cross and he paid the penalty for our sin. He was buried. He rose again from the dead. And now he offers to us hope and peace and comfort and his faithfulness and his power. You see, you were never meant to go through this crisis in your own strength. You need his strength. Do you know him?